This podcast is Challenging Opinions and is presented by William Campbell. Thank you for downloading the Challenging Opinions podcast for March 27th, 2017. Martin Luther launched the Protestant Reformation exactly 500 years ago, but Islam has never been reformed in a similar way. In this podcast, I'll be talking about someone who's advocating something similar to Muslims and how it could impact Islam and the wider world. Challenging Opinions is the podcast where ideas are tested. Whether you are left or right, conservative or progressive, devout or skeptic, what matters is the strength of your argument, not the strength of your voice. Make your view heard and get it included in the next show. Email your opinion to podcast at challengingopinions.com and we can discuss it in the next podcast. John Snyder is a member of American Atheists. He's also a prominent member of the Atlanta Free Thought Society, and he's a celebrant for the Humanist Society, which means he conducts weddings and other ceremonies. He's a prolific writer, including for Skeptic, for Secular Nation, and for Philosophy Now, as well as being the founder of the American Free Thought blog. Uh, but I don't want to talk to you, John, about any of that. I'm much more interested in a book you've been reviewing. Uh, it's by Omar Saif Khobashi, and it's called Letters to a Young Muslim. What's what's the main thesis of the book? Yeah, the, the basic thrust of his book is that, um, you know, Islam is it's no surprise, I guess, to anybody that is at war currently, both with the West, depending on who you, you ask, and with itself mm -hmm. and uh he has two young sons well actually i don't know how how old his sons are exactly but he has two sons and uh letters to a young muslim uh, are a series of letters that he's written to them to sort of try to pass the baton um for them to um, to work toward a more uh, enlightened view, I guess, of Islam. Is that something like the, the Reformation that created Protestantism within Christianity? Yes, I think I think uh, if you look at the history of well, Judaism, Christianity, especially Christianity, uh, if you went back, um, you know, thirteen hundred years to what Christianity was doing at that time, it was mm -hmm. pretty bleak. Um, and, uh, you know, heck even 500 years ago. So uh, I think that, uh, civilization has somehow been able to defang the most rabid impulses of Christianity. And, uh, if we can all survive long enough, I think Islam, the Islamic culture has the ability to, um, sort of tame the, the, the worst instincts of Islam as well. And do you think that um, Kobashi is offering a, a realistic program for doing that? Well, I think it's a good start. I mean, this is obviously a very – it's a very short book, and um, uh, so he he can't cover as much territory perhaps as he would like. Um, but it, it's a good start to the, the extent that he's, he's saying to his sons, um, think for yourself, challenge authority – uh, you know, be tolerant, uh, and and he's also telling them that there are more than one ways. There there are more than one way to be a Muslim. Mm -hmm. um, 
So, and I think that's great. And he talks in the book about how his his father was uh, the United Arab Emirates' first foreign minister, and he was assassinated actually by accident when uh, when uh, he was a child. And so he really didn't have a father all the way growing up. So part of this too is him wanting to be the father that he was denied. And it's notable that I think Gobashi, he's not, uh, I mean, he's from uh, the United Arab Emirates, which is a small country, very close to Saudi Arabia and quite influenced by Saudi Arabia. But he's from a mixed marriage himself, isn't he? Yeah, I think he said his mother was Russian and that uh, he grew up sort of a, a English educated half-breed who, who spoke imperfect Arabic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he kind of knows what it's like to be an outsider. I, I, I think it all, that's what gives him kind of a distinctive viewpoint because if he had been raised, you know, in the heartland of Saudi Arabia, for example, uh, with the, the benefit quote unquote of a, of a traditional, uh, Arabic speaking Muslim devout father, he, he may have ended up quite differently. Um, one thing that you said in uh, that you wrote about this book that I thought was quite interesting is that it's not clear who Islam is at war with, and one interpretation is that it's at war with the West, but another interpretation is that it's at war with itself, that there's an, essentially an internecine battle for what can be the dominant interpretation of Islam. Um, is he really just fighting one of those sides, fighting maybe a more liberal um what might be called more secularist, but certainly a less hardline religion side of that battle. Oh, I'm certain that that's what he's doing. Um, and, you know, he's not the only one. There are obviously a number of people out there who are, are trying to argue for uh, a more enlightened version of Islam. And I think the war, the, the quote-unquote war within Islam is uh, is very real and that one side, the fundamentalist side, is trying to drag the West into it, um, probably in an attempt to uh, create a common enemy and unite the Islamic world against the uh, the godless uh, West. But uh, I think that people like Gobash are very important, and that we should do you know do everything that we can to support them. I mean, clearly, some atheist from Atlanta, Georgia is probably not going to be his best ally in some eyes, but um, I think that as much as we can encourage and protect people like that, uh, the better. I, I'm wondering about that because I know that the Reformation in Christianity, which was in the 15th century, at the time that that happened, there was no reasonable uh, worldview that existed that didn't include God that nobody had really any idea how a lot of the systems uh, that ran the world, nobody knew how they worked. And the best explanation available was God did it. Um, We're seeing people trying trying to reform Islam in a period when the like the next best explanation of how the world works has nothing to do with religion at all. You don't have to uh, explain uh, who put the stars in the sky by using God, as both Protestants and Catholics did, or a whole range of other, uh, a whole range of other what you might call scientific topics. I know that the um, the writer uh, uh, Sam Harris has called uh, religion essentially a failed science. It's an early way of trying to explain the world. Do, is somebody like Gobash going to have 
a much harder time reforming, but not reforming so much as to say give up religion. I do think that Muslims, uh, moderate Muslims, have a much harder time than uh, their Christian counterparts, in in part because the foundations of Christianity and Islam are quite different. You know, Christianity has an extraordinarily plausible uh, interpretation that leans toward separation of church and state and uh, the idea of the uh, the kingdom of God being something separate than the kingdom of earth. Uh, in Islam, they're really it, – it's quite a stretch to, to get to that conclusion. And so people – People in the Islamic world, I think, that are arguing for moderation and tolerance um, have a much harder time convincing their, their counterparts that, um, that it's okay to, to disagree with someone, uh, you know, even at a fundamental level, as long as no violence is involved. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I really honestly I, I fear for Gobosh whether or not he will actually not end up in the same place his father did. I can see what you're saying in that uh, Islam is a much more complete worldview and it includes uh, a lot of instructions for secular society. But there are very explicit instructions within the Bible that most Christians have no problem completely ignoring. Nobody really thinks that slaves should be obedient to their masters anymore. I mean, you might get a very tiny hardcore of essentially lunatics on, on the far fringe of Christianity. But... Almost no Christians believe that, even though it explicitly says it in the Bible. Almost no Christians uh, believe that a woman should be punished uh, for being a rape victim, even though that is explicitly said in the Bible. Um, Couldn't uh, Muslims be just as flexible? Well, I would certainly hope so. Um, Yeah, I think, um, uh, don't get me wrong, if I could wave my magic wand today and get rid of religion, all religion, I would gladly do it, but I live in the real world. I know that the vast majority of people hold some sort of religious um, views, and um, I do take some comfort in the the still somewhat puzzling reality that people, as you mentioned, can hold sort of conflicting views and still function as reasonable people. You know, uh, I mean, I live in the American South, so if you started to, I can hear that. Yeah, if you started to to question people um, about the Bible, you know, they would say they believe X and Y and Z, but it's clear from their daily lives that they they don't truly believe it at a visceral level, and they're they're not um, they're not campaigning to reinstitute the death penalty for homosexuality or something like that. Mm-hmm. So yes, I, I do think that um, uh, that there's hope that people in the Muslim world can. Um, can kind of um, embrace the general idea of Islam and not take uh, the Quran and the Hadith um, as completely literally as people used to take the Bible. Um, there is a saying, I don't know, a lot of sayings are ascribed to um, Confucius. I don't know who actually said it, but the saying is, um, the tree that does not bend in the wind will break in the storm. Does Golbash address that? Does he address the possibility that Islam could simply be destroyed? I don't recall that he says that, but I think he's pretty – I think the subtext of his entire book is that the Islamic world could be doomed to a an extended, if not perpetual, state of uh, uh, third-worlddom, you know, mm-hmm. if they if – they, if, 
if people in the Islamic world can't get a handle on this this fight, uh, uh, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be bad for them and it's gonna be bad for us because of the you know the global society that we live in. And um, one one of the things I don't know, you as an atheist activist might be happy to hear this story, but the one um, conversation I had uh, a while back with uh, a woman who uh, was originally Iranian. Uh, from from Tehran, uh, but her uh, her parents, uh, when she was very little, moved to Canada. She married a, a Canadian, a, a white Canadian person, and she went for a visit back to Iran uh, with him. And uh, of course, when you're doing that, uh, the the person who speaks the local language orders the taxi and so forth. So she, uh, they were in a taxi re- going from the airport into the city center in Iran, and. Um, the taxi driver was asking her in in Farsi, in the Iranian language, some kind of questions, and she could see that he was um, interested in her, and he established that she was an expat Iranian. And then very gingerly, he said, and are you an atheist? And she Uh didn't answer, uh, but she didn't say no. And this just lit up the guy and he started talking nonstop saying, yes, I'm an atheist too. All the taxi drivers were all atheists. We have to keep it secret, bearing in mind that you can be killed in Iran for being an atheist. Um, but the impression she got was that huge portions of the society are, um, especially young people are ready for uh, a step change reform rather than the gradualist reform that happened in Christianity. Is that something that you would look forward to? Yes, absolutely. I, I, I am, convinced obviously i'm not a my mind reader but i am convinced that the vast vast majority of people in the islamic world would be perfectly happy to be for example culturally muslim in the same way that that most jews are culturally jewish and in the ways that a lot of christians are culturally christian you know and i mean you mm-hmm. probably know in the united kingdom and in, in a lot of europe um there are established religions, but they're just sort of pro forma things that people do, and they don't really take it too seriously. So, I th- you know, I think the fear of death and the fear of ostracization, or ostracism, whatever the right word is, mm-hmm. is is what drives a lot of, of Muslims to be quiet, like that cab driver. And mm-hmm. um, but I'm wondering, is it entirely a religious motivation? Is there a cultural? problem there as well that um for example the the straight up misogyny in society and the the treatment of women that's not always driven by the religion it could be that 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 there's just a you know what you might call a sickness in the society that can't just be got over can it uh i do think it's a distinctive problem in in those uh parts of the world i mean uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about female genital mutilation, for example, and and a lot of people in America think that that's a Muslim thing. And while it's true that it does take place in predominantly Muslim countries, it also takes place in in countries that are not predominantly Muslim. So, uh, so yeah, there is a cultural thing, and I I do think uh, just the fact that uh, from a political and social standpoint, even if you take out the religion, the Middle East and Africa and Asia, they don't share the same history that Europe shared of, um, you know, the Enlightenment and that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, they can benefit from it. Um, you know, it's all down. It's all in writing. So 
they can certainly read it and uh, take advantage of it. But I, I do think that there are uh, some distinctive problems that they have. Now, having said that, there have been lots and lots of Muslim countries that have had female leaders. Um, you know, like India's had female prime ministers. They're not a Muslim country, but you, you see what I mean. Yes, and Benazir Bhutto in, in Pakistan as well. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Gobash is giving a hopeful view of the future? I do. I do think he is. I mean, it, it seems pretty clear to me that he um, is hopeful that his sons will will escape the um, you know this horrible cycle that a lot of the uh, Muslim world has been stuck in. You know, I mean, worst case, his sons end up being radicalized and become suicide bombers. You know, and he's clearly not he's clearly not writing this book with an attitude of, uh, well, son, uh, you know, think for yourself, take a look at all the facts, decide what you want to do. And if you want to be a suicide bomber, that's great. You know, he's clearly sending them a message of, uh, being, uh, thoughtful, be tolerant, be intelligent, question authority, uh, and make a better world for, for you and your family. And um, finally, John, do you think maybe he's whistling past the graveyard a little bit that he is being, uh, writing it more in hope than in expectation? Uh, well, yes. <laughs> I, <laughs> why? I, why do you say that? What's your analysis of that? Well, I, I mean, I haven't met uh, Omar Saif Gobash, but I, I, I don't. I think he would be a fool not to realize that uh, that he's currently on the losing end of that conversation, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you know, there's just so much uncertainty in the world you know, period. But in in the Islamic world, it's just um, really in churn. And it's going to be hard for, uh, you know, it's always easy to appeal to emotion and anger and rage. Um, Much, much more difficult to appeal to people's, um, you know, thoughtful nature and patience and so forth. You're you're right. Nobody ever goes out and riots for moderation. Exactly. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I think he would agree that that it's a, a steep slope, but uh, part of the reason that I read this book and, re- and reviewed it on the blog is that that you know I I think we don't have any alternative. We've we've got to try. When I say we, you know, reasonable citizens of the world mm-hmm. ha- have to keep trying to to tame our radicalized counterparts um, and try to encourage our children and our fellow citizens to be as uh, as reasonable and tolerant as possible. John Snyder, uh, founder of the American Free Thought Blog, thank you very much for talking to me. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. Make your view heard. Email podcast at challengingopinions.com to set out your ideas and defend them on the next podcast. That's the Challenging Opinions podcast published on March 27th, 2017. I have links in the show notes to Omar Saif Khobash's book, and John Snyder's review. Do you know someone who I should interview? What topics should I be covering? I'd be really interested to hear your feedback. If you like the podcast, there's one thing that you could do that would really help other people to find it. Go on iTunes and give the podcast a rating and write a short review. There's a link on the website directly to the iTunes page. Also, please like the show on Facebook on Twitter, you can follow at ChallengingO. You can also follow Omar Saif Gobash at Omar Saif Gobash. 
And most importantly, subscribe to the show for free. You can use iTunes if you're an Apple person or Google Play Music if you're into Android. And there's links for both of these and the RSS feed if you're into that. You can find them all or get in touch with me at www.changingopinions.com. In the next podcast, I'll have an interview with the historian and author Chris Kelly. That show will be uploaded on Wednesday, March 29th. The Challenging Opinions podcast is produced and presented by me, William Campbell. Thank you for listening. Thank you.